morning, church. My name is Paul, as Dave mentioned, and it's my joy to open up God's word with you this morning. We are continuing in our series of Old Testament characters, and last week, Pastor Jeremy shared the story of David and gave us four insights as to David as the worshiper. This week, we'll look at the prequel of the story of David as we look at the life of his great-grandmother, Ruth. And next week, we'll have the sequel to David's story, The Life of Solomon. While much can be said about each of the characters in the book of Ruth, our attention today will be on the title character. And as we look at Ruth's life, we will learn how we can cultivate a life of noble character. But first, let's get a little context and briefly summarize the story. The opening verses of Ruth, verses 1 through 6, serve as the prologue of the book. And this is what we read in verses 1 and 2. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, the time of the judges was a dark period in Israel's history. It was a time when there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It was a time of unrest, moral chaos, and corruption. No one to lead, no one to guide, no righteousness in sight. And it is during these times the narrator introduces us to Elimelech, Naomi, and her two sons, a family from Bethlehem who are struggling to survive during a famine. And they're from Bethlehem, after all, literally, which means house of bread is out of bread. And things must have been dire because the family picks up and moves, moves to Moab, an ancient enemy to the people of Israel. And it is in Moab where Naomi's husband dies. Naomi's sons marry Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. But after some time, Naomi's sons die as well. And so Naomi is left with her two daughters-in-law. The narrator tells us that Naomi decides to return home. She hears that the Lord has once again shown favor to his people and that the famine has ended and now there is food once again. So Act 1, Ruth chapter 1, verses 7 through 22, Naomi returns home and is accompanied by Ruth. And we see here that Naomi has a deep relationship with both Orpah and Ruth. Naomi wants the best for her daughters-in-law and knows that life for a widowed foreign woman in Israel had a bleak outlook. So Orpah goes back home, but Ruth clings to Naomi. And in spite of the bleak outlook, with no guarantee of a better life, Ruth shows incredible loyal love to Naomi. And so we have this iconic declaration from Ruth in chapter 1, verse 16. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And so Naomi returns to Israel with Ruth, but when they arrive, she asks people to call her Mara, which means bitter, for her life was marked by tragedy and suffering. She laments that she is now empty-handed. 
In those times, a woman with no husband and no kids was a woman with no security and no hope for a future. The next act, act two, is Ruth chapter two, and it's all about providential encounters. The section opens with Ruth going out to find some food for herself and Naomi. And it just so happens to be the beginning of the barley harvest. And it just so happens that she ends up picking grain in the field of Boaz, who just so happens to be a relative of Naomi. And Boaz, upon seeing Ruth, inquires about her and finds out all that she has done for Naomi. He makes provision for Ruth to safely gather food. This is reflective of his noble character in obeying one of God's laws in Deuteronomy, which provides for foreigners and widows by letting them glean from your fields. And Boaz blesses Ruth in the name of the Lord and also gives her an abundance of grain to take home. So when Ruth gets home, she tells Naomi that she has met Boaz, and Naomi gives a joy-filled response to the news. Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. And this is a very important uh, word in the story. Some translations use the term kinsman redeemer. And this family redeemer was a cultural practice in Israel where if a man in the family died and left behind a widow, children, and land, it was the family redeemer's responsibility to marry the widow, take up the land, and protect the family. So at the end of the section, we as the audience are feeling hopeful as Naomi's spirit is lifted. There is provision of food and the possibility of being redeemed, of being made whole. Act 3, Ruth chapter 3. Is the end of the barley harvest, and the plan is set into motion by Naomi and Ruth to approach Boaz so he can take notice of their situation and take action. Let's read this interaction between Ruth and Boaz. Ruth chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. This is a marriage proposal. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Now, while we rejoice in the moment that Boaz has agreed to Ruth's proposal, we find out right away that there is one more setback to the plan. Boaz tells Ruth that there is another guardian redeemer who is closer to Naomi and has the rights to redeem them first. But Boaz reassures Ruth that if the other guardian redeemer does not redeem them, that he would do it. The scene ends as Ruth tells Naomi about all that unfolded in the night, and now they must wait and see. One fun detail in the story I found amusing is that Boaz gives Ruth 60 pounds of barley to take home that night. So I found out that Ruth is not only a, a woman of notable character, but a woman of notable biceps to bring home 60 pounds of barley in the middle of the night. It's amazing. 
So Acts 4, Ruth chapter 4, is where Ruth and Boaz get married. Boaz meets with the unnamed family redeemer and calls the town elders together to settle the matter of redeeming Naomi and Ruth. This unnamed redeemer at first says that he will redeem Naomi and the land, but when he finds out that he must also marry Ruth in the process, he declines to redeem them. He said that redeeming Ruth would ruin his own inheritance, so as a result, he yields his right to redeem to Boaz. Let's read the resolution of the story, Ruth chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. And what a beautiful picture we are left with. Naomi is redeemed, and Ruth and Boaz are united in marriage. And, and the last four verses of the book of Ruth serve as the epilogue. We see that Boaz and Ruth have a son, and they name him Obed. Naomi becomes Obed's caregiver, and she is restored to life and fullness. And the narrator reveals that Obed is the father of Jesse, who is the father of King David, and you could trace the genealogy all the way to our King Jesus. To summarize, the book of Ruth is a beautiful story of a widow, an immigrant, and a redeemer. The story of the widow is one that moves from emptiness to fullness. The story of the immigrant is marked by faith and courage. The story of the redeemer is marked by kindness and generosity. And in all the threads of this story, we see God, who is at work in the background, providentially moving and redeeming in the ordinary rhythms and challenges of life and using people of faith for his good purposes. So from this story, I want to draw your attention now to Ruth's character. And from her story, we can learn how to cultivate a life of noble character. There's something admirable about a life well-lived. When you attend a memorial service, it is moving and inspiring when you hear the story of someone with high character. We all long to make the most of this life we've been given. And so Ruth shows us three ways we can cultivate a life of noble character. So first, we can cultivate a life of noble character by seeing with the eyes of faith. By seeing with the eyes of faith. Let's look once again at Ruth chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. At this, the daughters-in-law, they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. When you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. 
If you read the story of Ruth, what you will see emphasized over and over again is that Ruth is from Moab. She is referred to as Ruth the Moabite or the young Moabite woman. She is a widow. She is an outsider. She didn't belong with the people of Israel. And that's why Naomi urges Ruth to stay in Moab. Naomi thought that Ruth would probably have a better chance of getting married among her own people, a better chance for a fresh start. And perhaps Ruth would have a better experience with the God of Moab. After all, Naomi feels as though her God has afflicted her. But in spite of all of this, Ruth has the eyes of faith. Ruth declares that Naomi's people will be her people, that Naomi's God will be her God. Ruth was, in effect, saying that she was going to transfer her allegiance from the God of Moab to the God of Israel. In fact, she uses the personal name of God to bind herself to Naomi. Somehow, Ruth is able to see something that Orpah missed. Ruth was able to see that God was good. Listen to what Boaz says to Ruth after hearing her story. Ruth chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. This is Boaz speaking to Ruth. I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. God is pictured here as a mother bird who offers her wings for protection and refuge for her defenseless young. Boaz recognizes that it's not just the fact that Ruth has shown kindness towards Naomi, but Ruth has chosen to take refuge under the wings of God. And what's remarkable about Ruth's faith is she doesn't ask for God to come through for her in order for her to believe. She doesn't wait until everything is restored. She doesn't put a list of demands on God. She trusts in the midst of uncertainty. And this faith can only be explained by the supernatural power of God at work in her life. Where is it that we find refuge in this life? A refuge is a place where you find security. It's a place where you can find rest. It's a place of restoration and wholeness. Where is your refuge? Is it in God or something or someone else? Do you often find yourself running towards resting in God or running from God? One prayer that I often come back to is this, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Friends, may God give us eyes of faith like Ruth, that in spite of our circumstances, when the outcomes are unclear, when the questions remain unanswered, that we would abandon all other gods, all other shelters, but go all in on the living God. He is a strong shelter. He is the place where our souls can find rest and wholeness. The presence of King Jesus is the only life worth living, no matter where we go and no matter what we go through. A life of noble character begins with seeing 
with the eyes of faith. Second, uh, to cultivate a life of noble character, we cultivate a life of noble character by demonstrating a heart of loving kindness. Demonstrating a heart of loving kindness. And it's important to note here that the life of faith and loving kindness are woven together and they cannot be separated. Ruth's eyes of faith look beyond her own circumstances and look to the needs of others. Naomi recognizes this and in her first conversation with Orpah and Ruth says in Ruth chapter 1 verse 8, then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. And this word kindness here in Hebrew is the word chesed. You got to get that guttural on the H there. Try with me, chesed. You know, be bold, chesed. Yeah, perfect. And this just translates into loving kindness or loyal love. And we see Ruth's loyal love to Naomi on display as she cleaves to Naomi and refuses to leave her side. We see Ruth's loyal love as they arrive in Bethlehem, and Ruth takes initiative and goes out to gather some grain, putting herself at risk of danger and harassment. Ruth is humble, industrious, and hardworking. And Boaz, recognizing Ruth's loyalty to Naomi, blesses her in the name of the Lord. Ruth's decision to leave her home country was, yes, a decision of faith to follow God, but it was also a decision to love her mother-in-law deeply, even though it came at a personal cost with no apparent benefit in sight. A life of noble character is one that doesn't seek to gain by loving others, but seeks to give of oneself in loving others. As we live out our lives before God, our faith is not measured by the miracles we can exact from God's hands, nor is it the accumulation of wealth or blessing, nor is it in the number of our victories. Our faith is demonstrated in our character, namely in how we love one another. A vibrant faith is not only one that sees beyond our circumstances and looks to God, but it is also having the eyes to see others. And this is really hard. I have the old case of the ingrown eyeballs looking to self. Even my spiritual life can often feel enveloped in the language of me, And I'm not saying that self-care is not important. There is wisdom in the oxygen mask instructions given on the plane. First, secure your own oxygen mask before you help your neighbor. But the spiritual life doesn't end with just me and Jesus. It's about me in community with others and Jesus. And this loving kindness is not something that we can muster up from within ourselves There's a reason that chesed is primarily attributed to God throughout the Old Testament. The foundation and source to us being a people of loving kindness is found in God. He's the one who faithfully loves. He's the one who seeks the well-being of the other at great personal cost. He's the one who remains faithful and loyal to his promises. So may God fill us with his loving kindness 
and may it overflow into our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, and our actions. So we've seen that a life of noble character is cultivated by seeing with eyes of faith. We've seen that a life of noble character is cultivated by demonstrating a heart of loving kindness. And third, we cultivate a life of noble character by taking courageous action. As mentioned earlier, one of the pivotal moments in the story of Ruth is in chapter 3. The barley harvest was coming to a close, and with it, the regular interactions between Ruth and Boaz. Boaz was a man of outstanding character, godly, generous, kind, and most importantly, he was a guardian redeemer. He checked all the boxes But in classic guy fashion, we find that Boaz has not made any other moves to take the relationship to the next level. He's dragging his feet. And so Naomi comes up with a plan to spur Boaz into action. Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose woman you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you to do. Once again, we see Naomi's heart for Ruth. She wants Ruth to find a new home, to be taken care of, to have provision, security, and a godly husband. And not once does Naomi mention her own needs, which are vast. But what's so beautiful is that from Ruth's perspective, she is not thinking of herself. She is seeking to make Naomi whole. And so Naomi's plan was for Ruth to put herself out there and to put all the cards on the table. And this was the plan. Step one, you need to wash yourself. You've been working out in the fields too long. You can't go in this, in this fashion. Wash yourself. Take a bath. Step two, anoint yourself with perfume. perfume. Most likely it was some sort of olive oil, scent of olive oil. In modern days, get some of that Chanel number five, that good stuff. Step three, put on your best clothes. And this is most likely a prompt to take off Ruth's clothes of mourning to show that she is available, no longer to to take off her clothes that indicate that she's a widow and to show that she is available. Step four, approach him after a hard day's work and after he's had a good meal and falls asleep. Step five, Uncover his feet and wait for Boaz to give you instructions from there. And this uncovering of the feet was most likely to let the cold Bethlehem air cause Boaz to wake from his sleep. And this is uh, similar to what happens when I unknowingly steal the entire blanket and my wife wakes up cold in the middle of the night. So this plan was extremely risky. Approaching Boaz in the middle of the night could have easily been misinterpreted. Ruth could have been taken advantage of. Boaz, with his guards lowered after good food and drink, could have made some poor decisions. 
Boaz could have felt ambushed and turned off by Ruth being so forward. But even with knowing all the risks, Ruth trusts Naomi and trusts that Boaz will do the right thing. And so Ruth carries out this plan, and of course, the rest is history. Boaz awakens from his sleep, and Ruth says to him, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. To ask someone to spread the corner of your garment over you was a marriage proposal. And so she invites Boaz to fulfill his duties as the guardian redeemer. And Boaz responds to Ruth's proposal in a gracious way. He blesses Ruth in the name of the Lord. He recognizes that God was indeed in the middle of all of this. He sees that Ruth is not doing this for herself, but this too is an act of loving kindness for Naomi. Boaz sees once again that Ruth is a woman of noble character. But even with Boaz's favorable answer, the audience, along with Ruth and Naomi, are patiently waiting for the morning to come because the outcome was still unclear. It was a very real possibility that the other redeemer, and not Boaz, would redeem them. So while Ruth takes courageous action, she must also wait and leave the outcome to God. So what can this part of the story teach us? The point of this pivotal scene is that we too are invited to take courageous action. We are invited to seize those providential moments that God has laid in our path and leave the outcomes with him. We are invited to take holy risks and wait patiently for the Lord. As we walk with Jesus with the eyes of faith and demonstrate loving kindness, there are pivotal moments in our journey where we are invited to take holy action. Perhaps you are being prompted right now to have a conversation about faith with a family member, friend, coworker, or neighbor. Perhaps you are being drawn to start a new venture or partner or support a ministry for God's kingdom purposes. Perhaps right now you're becoming keenly aware in your faith journey that it's time for a different vocation to serve the purposes of God. Perhaps you are not yet a believer in Jesus, but God has been speaking to you. And it seems like everywhere you turn, you're being prompted to find out more about who this Jesus is. Friends, make the most of these moments that God has laid in your path. Take courageous action and leave the outcomes with him. And we have no need to fear. We don't have to have all the answers or have everything figured out. Like Ruth, yes, there was indeed risk involved that evening. But also, like Ruth, we are banking on the character of the Redeemer. We, too, can come to Jesus knowing what he is like. He is kind and loving. He is generous. He is powerful and patient. He is faithful to the end. And therefore, we can take holy risks, courageous actions, and wait upon him 
knowing that he is for us, knowing that he will see us through to the end. May we, like Ruth, live a life of noble character. May we see with eyes of faith. May we demonstrate a heart of loving kindness. God has providentially placed North Shore Alliance Church in this moment in time, in history, to be the church in this city. So may we be a people who take courageous action and holy risks for the kingdom of God, not in a manner of grasping or striving, but humble trusting in our great Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ, and let's leave the outcomes with him. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up and lead us in a response. And as they come, let me pray for you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are good, that you are the King, that you are the Lord over all, and that we can trust you. Lord, we long to live a life of noble character. We long to live a life that speaks to your goodness and who you are. So Lord, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes of faith? Would you fill in us a heart of loving kindness like your heart? And would you empower us to be bold, to take courageous action for your kingdom purposes and leave the outcomes with you? Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. We look to you. In Jesus' name.